Welcome to the Staying Golden Podcast, where we'll be catching up with Laurier alumni to give the Laurier community a glimpse of what the future may hold after graduation. We would like to acknowledge that Wilfrid Laurier University and its campuses are located on the Haldeman Track, traditional territory of the Neutral, Anishinaabe, and Haudenosaunee peoples. Hello, and welcome to the Stan Golden Podcast. Today, I'm here with Khadija Plummer, who graduated from Laurier's Waterloo campus in 2017 and is currently working as a content manager with Miso AI. So Khadija, thanks so much for being here. How are you doing today? Doing well, and how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. So first off, a little bit of a get-to-know-you type question. So do you have any hobbies that you've been putting time into lately? Uh, for sure. So I would say the two things I've been really focused on lately um, is getting back into reading. I feel like with the winter and with all of us being in lockdown in Ontario, uh, I felt like I was more compelled to watch TV and movies, which is also nice, but I've been trying to pick up books, physical books again. Um, And then the other thing I've been really into is I've actually been doing my own podcast on the side too. So um, it's been cool to get into coming up with the talk tracks because this one is just me. I don't have any guests this time around and also like homing my editing skills more. Um, so those are a couple of things I've been focused on lately. That's awesome. And yeah, we'll definitely talk about the podcast a little more later. Um, any good books recently? I've been reading The Red Dragon, uh, which is one of the Silence of the Lambs books. Okay. Uh, it's it's interesting. I watched both of the movies beforehand. And so far, it's like pretty much on par. Um, but that's going well so far. I would say that's good. A good gotcha. record. Yeah. So getting kind of into your school experience and your time at Laurier. So Going back to kind of that mindset of when you were choosing what school you wanted to go to, how did you land on Laurier? What was the situation that got you there? For sure. So basically, from what I remember, I think I applied to five schools. Um, so I applied to Western, Laurier, Waterloo, Carleton, and Queens, I think was the fifth one. Um, so basically what happened was I'd been to all of the campuses aside from Carleton, but to be honest, I didn't really want to go to Ottawa except for the winters are ter- terrible there. And I've since learned that that's very true. <laughs> um, not that it, like we have warm weather here, but it was a little bit better. Uh, but anyways, after visiting all the other campuses and like meeting up with folks that had gone there before me from my high school when I go on my visits and stuff, um, I felt like the other campuses, so Queens, Waterloo, and what was the other one I said? <laughs> I don't remember. Waterloo, Western, and Laurier. Western. Thank you. Queens, Waterloo, and Western. Um, When I went to those places, I found that the campuses were quite expansive. And also, I didn't really get a good vibe from the students I talked to. Like, they didn't really seem happy to be there. Maybe it was the time of year that I caught them. But I had a couple of folks that had gone to Laurier before me, and I got to see, like, their residence experience. I got to meet some of their friends. And it just, because it was a smaller population like I kind of felt more at home there coming from like a very small high school of only 210 students so I was a little bit nervous about going into such a large pond like the other schools offered but Laurier felt more comfortable and home-like and I felt that right away Um, and that was the only campus I visited twice just to make sure I wasn't having like you know the teenage excitement of visiting campuses and it wasn't just like I had my parents there the second time to kind of see their thoughts and like kind of be third-party um opinions on the situation and they felt the same way they felt like it was very welcoming and very homelike as well so and I really liked the program I, I started in psychology at Laurier and I, I liked the program like I met some of the professors like other students as well I just felt like I could get 
I got like a wide range of opinions and impressions that I was able to kind of take back with me. So that's what ultimately led me to choose Laurier as the school I wanted to go to. That's awesome. And yeah, I also came from a high school of actually less than 200 people. So I totally get like moving to the smaller campus just felt more at home than like UW, which is sprawling and huge. Where they have a bus running through the campus. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think you were most excited about before you started university? Um, I think I was most excited about a like moving away from home, to be honest, okay. <laughs> uh, just like having a different environment, not that where I grew up was bad, but it was just like I'd been there my whole life and not that moving an hour and a half west was a big deal, but it was still a different place to explore and like have new experiences. So that was one thing I was really looking forward to. And then I was just really looking forward to um, a lot of the classes and the options for classes, like not even just concentrated in my major, but there was just such a variety that I could take in the way that the arts program was set up. So I was really excited to just branch out into different areas I hadn't yet explored or had maybe had some exposure to in high school, but just like go more in depth with it. And then the third thing, of course, was the social aspect and like make, making new friends. Cause I came from an all girls school as well. And like, I had friends from elementary school of like both sexes, but it was nice to, you know, be able to expand my network and meet new people my age, kind of all going through the same thing, leaving home for the first time, kind of figuring it out together. So those were the three, I guess, top things I was looking forward to before I left home. For sure. And so in terms of like the social aspect, did you take part in any extracurriculars or were you doing intramurals or that kind of thing? I did. So we definitely played intramurals. Like I felt like I got really lucky as well. Like my floor and residence, we were all super close and we were willing to try a lot of things together. So we did some intramural volleyball. I think we did basketball. Some folks were playing hockey um, and soccer. So if we weren't playing, we'd go and like support each other and watch each other's sports. Um, then in terms of later on in school, I got involved with the no- uh, Movember organization on campus. Um, and then I was also part of the Fashion and Lifestyle Society, which I don't know if they're still around, but we do fashion shows for charity. Uh, and that was a lot of fun too. So yeah, a lot of variety, sports and clubs. Oh my gosh. And I forgot the most important one, which was actually like the majority of my time. I don't know why I blocked this out, but I was a huge part of Radio Laurier as well. Um, So I started on the team that basically when we used to get physical, (laughs) like tapes and CDs sent to the Radio Laurier office, uh, go through those and see what we wanted to be playing on air. And then I joined the street team, which was kind of like field marketing, which was a lot of fun and like telling people about all the different events. And then I went on to become like an on-air talent for the morning show and then I also went on to become a talent for after class which was a nighttime show and then I went on to manage both of those shows in my last year and also the year of my master's so I kind of moved up through the ranks of Radio Laurier and it was a lot of fun went on to host Dirty Bingo at Chainsaw RIP Chainsaw oh yeah Um, yeah, a lot lot of great experiences uh, through that organization met a lot of cool people Um, and it was fun to like come up with programming and writing my first blogs to um, re- recapping the shows and everything like that. So it was a good experience. Yeah, it's great. And kind of can see where all that has led today. Um, yeah, so- right back here with the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think your like favorite course was over your time at Lori or maybe your favorite professor if it's kind of hard to pick a subject? Oh, man, I don't want to call anybody out. <laughs> <laughs> what if I don't mention people and they listen to this? Um, but that's actually like a super difficult question. If I had to pick, though, I think in undergrad, if I had to pick a course, I really liked West African literature. 
Um, and then in my fourth year, both of my seminar classes, which I don't remember the names of, one was like North American literature and one was Caribbean literature was like the focus. So shout out to Dr. Kerber and Dr. Pravai for those ones. And then Dr. Haran for West African literature. Um, yeah, like all of my classes were pretty good. Like some were more mandatory, but I still like did my best to take a lot out of them. And like, honestly, for more of my mandatory classes, literary theory with Dr. Petch was probably my favorite because it sounds so dry when you're going into it, but it actually was a lot of fun because he would relate it to real life examples that resonated with people our age, which I think he did really well. And then I really enjoyed all my masters because it was such a small group. There was only eight of us. Um, lots of reading. <laughs> I think I, I don't think I've ever read that many books consecutively in my entire life. I think we read like 80 books over the course of that eight months and oh, of course a lot goodness. of writing papers. Yeah. So now when I'm like setting my Goodreads goal of like 20 books a year, I feel kind of soft, <laughs> but you know, other things have come into play, not just like focusing on school, but I like those classes because it was so small and like so discussion-based. So it was nice to hear everyone's viewpoints on whatever we'd read that week. And our profs were really good at managing the discussion. And I really got to, um, I guess, elevate my presentation skills too in that time. So that was really valuable for me now in the work world um, to have that practice, I guess, for eight months. That was so, a long answer. <laughs> Lots of favorites. <laughs> but hey, I mean, that's good. Good experiences mm. then. Um, one thing I'm curious about then, because now you're talking about a lot of the English courses you've taken and you're uh, majored in English and also have your master's in English, right? So how did you kind of make that transition from psych or what was the what was the decision process there? For sure. So the reason I went into psych in the first place was because the high school level courses, like I really enjoyed and really excelled in. So I was like, why wouldn't I study this? Like, I originally thought I was going to become like a therapist or a counselor. Um, and that made sense to study psychology for that. But once I got to it at the university level, honestly, I hated it. <laughs> um, but I was like, I'll still power through because I didn't really want to switch majors. But I was like, oh, maybe I'll get a minor in something I also enjoy and I'm good at, which is English. And I did well in my writing courses as well in high school. So I was like, okay, I'll minor in English, but I enjoyed those classes so much more. And I was so much more engaged that I was like, you know what, you're only in first year, like you can make that transition. Um, so I did like in second year, like I basically stuck through psych in the first half of my tenure, I guess you could say. Um, and then I ended up just getting a minor in psych instead and then switching full force to English. But yeah, I was just way more engaged and felt like the professors came with a lot more compelling material and like I liked the discussion aspect I liked the reading and also the balance of writing as well so just stuck with me more just resonated with me more as a young person so yeah it's sweet and yeah that can be really hard to make that transition but definitely feels great to find the place you belong um, absolutely so did you have an idea of what kind of work you wanted to do like career-wise when you were making that transition or was it just kind of this is what I'm enjoying this is what I want to do yeah um so I didn't really have an idea. Um, there was kind of this uh, idea going around campus from older folks on campus that it's hard to get a job once you're an English major. Like you probably will, it's a better chance that you'll end up like being a barista somewhere was, was often said. And like every, somebody has to do that. There's nothing wrong with if you're making coffee for a living, that's fine. Um, but I knew that I wasn't going to do that, but it seemed like the obvious path was to go down the road of academia and like I got my master's but then after that only honestly I was winded I was like I don't think I can do a PhD and then like <laughs> keep teaching as much as I did enjoy the teaching component I just knew it wasn't for me long term 
Um, so I just kind of started looking into other professions, probably in third year and like early in fourth year and copywriting seemed like the obvious one for me. Um, so that's kind of like how I officially started after school. Um, but then obviously I learned that that can branch into so many other things and, uh, marketing requires a lot of writing and, and reading skills. So it was kind of a perfect transition. It was either that or law, um, but marketing kind of sat with me more. So here we are. <laughs> so yeah, that kind of answers my next question of how you got interested in marketing, but I understand that you also worked in sales for a bit. So I'm curious about your experience with that and why you kind of chose marketing over sales in the end. For sure. So basically it was like a very long path. I won't bore you with my resume, but um, I went into working in publishing for a bit and most people, especially if you're studying English at Laurier, you'll be um, familiar with Broadview Press. Um, and they had like a contract position for a sales role. But I was also like, if I go into something that's more traditional from this major, like at least I can see how the publishing space works. So it kind of seemed like a good idea to try out. So after I did my copywriting stint, which was like a summer contract, I went into the publishing route and I enjoyed what I learned there. Like it was the most exciting job, I will say, but it was cool to learn about like how textbooks get chosen, the type of messaging that goes out to professors. And it was cool to like be able to work on the templates as well that we were sending out. And um, I was like, okay, like I'm getting sales skills from this, but also there's a way to like incorporate writing and research into this. So basically what happened was I, being I think in Waterloo, like you get really exposed to the tech scene in school, if you're lucky. Um, and I was like, that's the field I want to be in because there's so many different routes you can take and so many different types of roles you can try. But since I was coming from a sales role, I thought it best to just try to enter tech through sales. Um, so basically what that experience was like, I was an outbound sales rep. So I was doing a lot of cold calling and everything. Um, lots of calls and emails a day and video messages won't name the company, but some of you might know if you hear these things, if it's video in KW. Yeah. Um, but basically when I was there, like I still found my ways to like make friends with other teams that were not just doing sales focused stuff. So for example, like I was talking to marketing pretty early and I made it pretty clear to my manager, um, that I was hoping to one day transition to marketing whenever the timing made sense. Um, and she never held me back from that. She encouraged me to have conversations and pretty much I noticed that like the blog had fallen by the wayside, like the company blog. So I basically pitched it as, you know, being the voice of sales, but, but like writing for the marketing blog. So I started guest posting for them and like, because they'd already seen my writing skills. And also I already knew how to talk about the product and market the product as a salesperson. Normally they would bring in a co-op student, but basically they asked me if I wanted to come over instead. And my manager was cool with it. So I was like on loan to the marketing department for I think four months or something like that. And um, basically with the nature of the business, like there wasn't any, they weren't hiring for like a full-time person to be on marketing. So it was basically, I had the choice to either follow my dream because I'd really enjoyed and like fall in love with marketing by that point or go back to the sales team. And I just decided to run after the content marketing arm of marketing in that moment. And that's brought me to where I am right now. So it was just like being encouraged within an organization, um, I think is what led me to be able to try things out in a safe way and then realize that that's what I want to do longer term. So, yeah, that's amazing. And having a, like a manager who's willing to let you try new things is make or break. I can 
find or i've found that my co-ops at least like mm -hmm. really loving the variety of experience so talking about now like where you are today you recently started working with miso ai as a community content manager so can you talk a little bit about what that entails and how is the new position for sure so it's really awesome so far um, this is my fifth week, so I'm still very fresh into it. Right. Um, but it's been a great experience. Um, like what made me want to join the company was being able to kind of go in early stage. Uh, this is like the smallest and earliest startup I've joined. I've been in several startups, but it was cool to like be able to access leadership so early on, like even in my interview process and like really hear from them, like what the big vision is. Um, and basically like what our mission is, is to kind of build the future of personalization and make the internet a safer and better place for everyone on the consumer level, but also empowering companies to make the internet and like their browsing experiences a safe and secure place for folks like you and I. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I feel like there's been companies I've been at where like the product or offering is kind of a nice to have, but I feel like everyone's entitled to um, privacy. So it's more, it felt like more of a need, which was like something that resonated with me very early on. Um, and then in terms of the actual role, it's twofold. So it's kind of like the same as a traditional content marketing manager role, which is like mostly focused on written content. And like, we're starting from ground zero. So it's like coming up with the content strategy, um, working on blog content, eBooks, guides, we're building a course as well, which is something I've wanted to do um, in other roles, I just haven't had the opportunity, but I think that's going to, uh, give me a good learning curve as well. Um, and then also coming up with, you know, different ways to enable our, our sales arm of the business, which I think I enjoy because I was a salesperson. And like, because of that, having that lens, I know like what sales teams need or like what the constant asks were and like now how to meet those demands in a way. Um, so helping them with like, nurture campaigns and, you know, emails that they can send out to prospects and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be a good balance of, you know, building on the skills I've already been working on over the last few years, but then you throw in the community aspect. And then that's basically, um, basically helping specifically product managers in the e-commerce space. Um, uh, there's basically, it's come become clear to us that there's a need for more specific resources for people in that space, because it's, it's very niche. And just like also connecting them with each other in a community setting. So that way they can network and kind of share their challenges. And then, you know, it gives us great intel on one hand, because we're able to have those conversations in real time, but also it gives folks the opportunity to kind of solve those problems together as people going through, um, you know, those challenges on a day-to-day -day basis versus us kind of being more on the outside and like understanding what they need, but not working in those roles. So I think, um, being able to create a community setting will be cool because like I've always been the type to seek out community and I'm part of a few communities myself, especially like, you know, as a young black woman in the content marketing space, like I haven't really found many folks like myself. So I'm always seeking out like those types of connections and just like seeing what people have learned and learning from their challenges and how that I can use that to make my day to day easier and like, you know, be able to pass it on to someone else as they enter this space if they choose. Um, so it's cool to have that balance of like still doing the things I love, which is content creation, but also being able to connect with other people and help them to connect with each other. Um, so I think it's a really unique role and I think it'll continue to be rewarding and 
a lot of learning will come from it as well. Absolutely. I'm interested in the course that you said you're developing. What what exactly does that entail if you can talk about it? For sure. So it's not like super exclusive or anything, but yeah. we're basically um, in the stage where we're coming up with the format of like how we want to present the online course. Um, so right now we're talking to product managers in the space, like not even specific to e-commerce, but just in general um, and asking them kind of how they go about learning outside of work, um, what sort of um, formats resonate with them. And a lot of folks have been saying that they like lessons that are shorter and that also offer like assessments after each lesson, which I, I totally advocate for that as well. I think it's like our attention spans have definitely gotten shorter. So having yeah. like kind of more bite-sized pieces to work with, I think has been more valuable for folks who are trying to do learning outside of work. Um, so basically the course is to help people that are, you know, product managers in this niche area. Um, and basically like taking more high level concepts that they might just be learning at work and like, it might be like a very fast learning curve for them, but helping to kind of break it down more slowly and more digestibly. So that way they can perform at work better. And also like the other half of it is how to kind of work with different stakeholders that should be involved in conversations around product um, and kind of helping them to navigate that piece as well. So that's like the vision for it, um, but that could change. <laughs> so we'll see how it all actually turns out. Gotcha. Yeah, still very early, it sounds like then. Yeah, exactly. So another thing I'm interested in, so you've talked about blog work, talked about this course I've seen on your LinkedIn, social media, video production, podcast work. I'm curious what your favorite projects are to work on personally. Hmm. So I think that my heart is with writing for sure. Um, and I think that there's still ways, like I always find ways to loop that into like the other projects that you mentioned and just like keep it writing focused. But I've enjoyed doing other stuff too. Like I've enjoyed writing video scripts is probably like one of my favorite things to do because I'm like having the vision for the storyboard and like writing out what I think the sequence of events could be and then seeing it come to life on the screen. Like that's always super rewarding for me. So I hope to continue doing more video content. Um, and then of course, podcasting, I think comes from my Radio Laurier roots. I've always just enjoyed like having a conversation and like there's still a level of scripting that can happen even if you're just like prompting with questions. Um, but I don't know, I think that can be fun too, a fun way to like, depending on what you're trying to do with your podcast, like it can still be a great way to practice like more short form script writing. Um, so I would say those are like my top three types of things. If I'm not writing something, I love to be doing like video and audio content, but still throwing the writing in there where I can. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you think you were always like confident with being in front of the microphone or is that something that you had to develop with your time at Radio Laurier? Um, I think it was something I had to develop. Um, I, I still can be, but I definitely used to be more of like a fast talker. But being on radio and knowing how it would translate on the other side, it kind of forced me to really slow down and make sure I got all of my words out and enunciated everything. Uh, and I felt like it really helped me a lot in school. Like, as I mentioned in grad school in particular, there were a lot of presentations and I felt like my pacing was so good and clear by that time that, you know, I really attribute that to my time in radio. And I've obviously kept up with like doing podcasts both for work and then also outside of work. And I just, I really do feel like it's my favorite pastime in a way. And it's like a really good outlet. And it's nice to just like listen back and like hear how I've improved and, and grown over the years. Um, so I definitely attribute it to my, my time at radio, but 
yeah, I didn't know that I was going to love it so much, but it's really, it helped me to develop in like the school sense for presentations and obviously now in the professional ring to be able to have good pacing and getting everything out when I'm presenting and not, not rushing through things as much as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, can be hard. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. As you're learning too, doing this whole podcast thing. So you get it. Okay. So you talked about Radio Laurier and you've also spoken about your own podcast content corner, but between those two, I know you worked on the middle movers podcast, um, for six and flow. So what was that like and how did you get involved there? For sure. So, um, basically six and flow is a UK based marketing agency, but I was working for them remotely during COVID. Um, and basically how the podcast came about was because they really did their homework and found all my radio Laurier transcripts (laughs) and recordings. So they were like, we've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. Like, how would you feel about hosting it? And I was like, that would be fun. I hadn't done anything, you know, radio related in quite some time. And it was something I wanted to get back into, but I didn't really know where to start. Um, so it seemed, you know, very risk-free, um, to do it, um, at work and, you know, kind of, they let me really run with it in terms of what that would look like. Um, so basically the premise of middle movers was basically for me to converse with other mid-level marketers or even some entry-level folks and really hear what they learned and what kind of lessons they had to share with people that want to get into the marketing space. Um, so I found that to be really valuable because, it's always easier when you have someone else to chat with, which I'm sure you've noticed as well in your time. Um, and basically what I did was I had like 10 standardized questions that I would send out to folks and just so they could have something to think about, but we'd still make it come out. Like I wanted the tone of it to be like a conversation between friends. Right. I didn't want it to be too formal, but it was important because I felt like, or I feel like even still like on a lot of, these marketing podcasts, it's people that have gotten to, you know, director, VP, C-suite level. And although it's really important to hear from them there, it kind of gets lost sometimes just like how you even get to that point. Or, you know, there's just that assumption that like, if you come in as an individual contributor, that that's like the only path you can take or like get you, like you have to aspire to become a CMO or something. And it was interesting to hear like how many of us that had those conversations had had such weird paths to get into marketing and then the things that people wanted to do after or you know even talking about general interests and how different they were from work um like one of my guests said she never reads marketing books because she's done so much learning on the job and you know it shouldn't be work outside of work like you should have your own interests and passions and those kinds of things and I was like it's almost like ingrained I feel like especially when you're in tech to just like it's always a grind and you're always reading tech related things and you're always keeping up with the trends, but sometimes you just need to be and just like step back and remember who you are and what you like. Um, yeah, it was such a great experience. Like I honestly, like (laughs) my, I had so many guests and like everybody I'd worked with previously, like I just literally called on my network. So this is just a plug for making sure that you network. Um, I know it's harder now that like things are kind of in the balance with COVID and everything, but you know, if you're on LinkedIn, don't be afraid to message people that are in that job that you hope to see yourself in. And a lot of people more often than not, um, will give you the time of day and will want to chat with you about their experiences. If you come with good questions and don't just like not have a plan for your conversation. So don't be afraid to reach out to people. You never know where it's going to lead. Like even my current job, like I heard about it from 
someone that I worked with previously. And we always said like, when we went several ways and joined different companies that we hope to work together one day. And then because of the nature of this role, like I got reached out to first and the rest is history. So you just never know. And like, don't be afraid to make friends at work. <laughs> like you don't have to hang out all the time because obviously you're at work together all day and you don't want to just be talking about work all the time. But if there's people that you have interests with, like, don't be afraid to build those relationships and nurture them for reasons outside of what you do from nine to five. So. Yeah, absolutely. And have you been able to take things away from your experience on middle movers and kind of apply that to content corner? Oh, for sure. Um, (laughs) Definitely. So I think the two big things I would say that I've taken away um, is that, like I said before, it's much easier to have a guest Um, content corner. I host by myself, which was a, it was a conscious decision because I wanted to challenge myself and see like how well I could flesh out something without the help of another person to bounce off of. Um, so it's taken more in the sense of like pre-prep and scripting to understand like how I want to flow through something and like get to a, a resolution with whatever I'm trying to share. Um, but I think if I do another season or something, I'm going to start bringing people on because it's also nice to to bounce ideas off of other people. So just finding that. And then also like, I learned a lot about editing for audio (laughs) through doing little movers. Um, And it was so much fun. Like I was definitely not as good with GarageBand as I am now. Now it's like breathing to do certain things, which is great. And I attribute that to like those seven months that I was working on middle movers. It was, I knew nothing about that app, but now I feel like I can make my way around there pretty easily. So it was good to be able to play around with that and and learn what can make a good um, or what a good format is and how to like properly format and work on the tone and the volume and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's awesome. And what inspired you to like start Content Corner in the first place? For sure. So I felt like I had a lot to say about marketing, specifically content marketing. Um And I felt like a lot of the material I was seeing again was from like people in a higher level. And I really liked what milled movers had to offer. And I was kind of missing doing that. Um, So that was one half, just wanting to kind of share my experience for anybody that might find it to be helpful. And I missed like the editing and all that kind of stuff. And then, although I was happy to do middle movers when I was at six and flow, like ultimately it was for work. And at the end of the day, it's their podcast. And I want to have something of my own to leave out there in the world that like, no matter what happens, it's still my podcast and I can still like deal with it and like direct it as I wish. Um, so that was another part of it kind of like, not to sound corny, but like feeding into my personal brand, <laughs> I guess you could say. So it's been a good outlet, but also a good way for me to build my brand and like have something to kind of have as a talking point when I'm talking to other people in the space. And like, it gives them a way to kind of, I guess, do their own research on me other than just like looking at my resume or my LinkedIn, which is cool too. But people have even like reached out to me on LinkedIn being like, oh, I just listened to this episode. Like, I'd love to talk to you more about this topic. And then it's been interesting to see what comes from that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I I don't think it's corny at all to say building your personal brand. I know, but I feel like everyone's like, I see that so much now okay, and I'm yeah, just like, fair. oh, it's overdone. <laughs> so, but that is what oh, it is. Yeah. What can you do? It's. <laughs> You have to do it. So, Exactly, exactly. Uh, one thing I'm curious about is if you have a marketing strategy for Content Corner uh, specifically, or if you're just kind of doing it and 
putting it out there and uh, kind of enjoying it? I'm, I'm kind of just doing it. Like I did have a strategy in mind. Um, like I had how often I wanted to be posting about episodes and what channels I wanted to use and all that kind of stuff. But then I kind of just took a step back and I was like, even though you're talking about stuff that's related to what you do for work, like at the end of the day, it is something I'm doing for fun. So I don't want it to feel like work either. And that it's like so calculated. Cause like also if I'm putting all of that, like numbers and stuff behind it too. Like I personally, like what if I'm, I'll be like, I become obsessive and I'll be looking at that stuff. Like I'd be, I look at like our traffic numbers and like, I look at numbers all the time at work because I want to know how things are doing and what's working, but this is, it's not for lead generation. I'm not trying to make money. If things go in that direction, great, but it really is just an outlet for me and hopefully a helpful tool for others. And I just want it to be fun and relaxed. I don't want to feel like the stress that can come with putting too much into something like I'm putting myself into it. I think that's enough for now. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's great. Yeah, exactly. But if it works out I, I, in some other way than it already has, then we'll run with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I definitely, I listened to a couple of the episodes myself when I was checking you out. So it works. Definitely works. Okay. So one question I like to ask everyone that comes here is how you define success for yourself. Ooh. That's such a big question. It's almost yeah. like asking someone where they see themselves in five years, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. I think it's cool. Um, but for me, I think success looks like being content. Like I feel like there's not like a, a number or even like a job title in mind. Like I do have aspirations. I'm not just like vibing out here and hoping to <laughs> be directionless and have like no goals or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But just like I don't want it to be so high pressure that like, I forget to enjoy the ride. Like for me, success looks like being in a job or doing work that I love and like having good connections with people doing something that helps people. So like I said, like with my podcast, if someone can take something from that and like, you know, apply it to that job, that dream job of theirs and like, it all works out. Like that would be amazing for me. Um, and then just like being able to enjoy life. Like I just want to, know that I'm working at a job that makes me feel fulfilled. And then from all that hard work, I can, you know, relax and enjoy friends, family, like, you know, going on vacations and feeling like I've earned that because I've worked hard for it, but also it's not just like contingent on me always working hard. Like I like, I like to be very balanced and I always try to find that balance and, you know, having the success of success, quote unquote, of being in a job you love, but also having time to do things you love and being able to unplug and, you know, give your time to whatever it is that you're doing fully and like being fully present. Like for me, that's what success looks like. So like I said, there's things I want to do career-wise. Like I do want to move up the ladder, so to speak, um, but never at the sacrifice of not being able to enjoy life or like, I'm never going to wish I spent more time at my laptop. You know what I mean? By the right. time I'm old and all said and done. Um, so just having that balance, I think is like the picture of success at this time. Yeah. I like that thought a lot, but yeah, you're never going to regret not spending more time. Yeah. On a computer. Ex exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, Thanks. thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah, my pleasure. This was so fun. Yeah. This is a really great episode. And I was wondering where can people find your podcast or where can people connect with you if they want to sure. do that, if they want to listen more? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for my podcast, um, you can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and I believe Google Play. I upload through Anchor, and I think it goes to seven seven different platforms. But those are like the three most popular ones, I gotcha. think. Um, so it's just Content Corner. You'll see my face. <laughs> also, it's on the Lori Alumni Podcast page in the business section. So shout out to you guys for giving me that extra platform. I really Perfect. appreciate it. Um, and then if you want to connect with me, otherwise you can search me up on LinkedIn, Khadija Plummer. That's my URL. Um, and then also on Twitter, um, which maybe you'll link in the description because it's like yeah. not my, it's not my full name spelling. So that might be a little bit harder, but sure. feel free to DM me there. And I do talk about the podcast and I do talk about marketing sometimes on there too. So might be a good place if that's something that folks listening are interested in. All right. Amazing. And yeah, again, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for your time. And thanks for inviting me on.